Holy Spirit, we ask that you would use the words of Scripture to guide our path and to cut the chains that bind us and set us free. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of you told me a story a while back about a friend of yours who was running some errands and took her 92-year-old dad with her to do it. And this woman went into the bank for a quick transaction, thought, thought it was going to be quick, so she just left her dad in the car with the engine running. Well, the line took a lot longer than she thought, so it was a, really took a long time. She got back into the car. She was really frustrated, tore out of the parking lot and complained, just started ranting and complaining about the long service and how slow it was. She complained for three blocks, and then she looked over and saw that it wasn't her father there. It was an elderly woman <laughs> looking very terrified. So this woman went back to the bank, saw her dad in her car, looking very confused, wondering what was going on, and this elderly woman's husband standing at the corner going, what's happening, right? That poor elderly woman found herself trapped with a ranting stranger. So I want to ask this question, what is trapping you these days? We are doing a sermon series called Prison Break that we started last week about getting free from the things that trap us. And I ask you to complete the following sentence. I would love to be free from what? Health problem, relationship problem, financial issue, ranting strangers. What would you like freedom from? And last week we looked at a story where God tells Moses to go set the Israelites free from slavery in Egypt. So Moses goes to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, I don't want to. So God sends ten plagues on Egypt, and Pharaoh says, whoa, that was bad. Change my mind. Get out of here. But then in the story we read today, Pharaoh changes his mind again, takes his army, and pursues the Israelites, and traps them between a mountain and the Red Sea, so that they are literally trapped between a rock and a hard place. Now, do you ever feel like that? Trapped. Maybe trapped in a job that you hate. Trapped in a life that feels like it's all work and no fun at all. No joy in it. Trapped in a life that feels boring. Trapped in some kind of behavior you can't get out of. What do you feel trapped by this morning? Because the good news that we're talking about in this sermon series is that Jesus is our liberator. He broke the chains even of death. He can set you free from whatever is trapping you. And I want to talk today about a couple of things that we can do to cooperate with him in getting set free from that. And the first is this, when it comes to getting free, we need to embrace that for our own good, sometimes God takes us the long way to freedom for our own good. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this point because I think it's important. Now, sometimes God sets us free quickly, almost in an instant, but other times it takes a while. The beginning of this story says, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people through the desert toward the Red Sea. He took them the long way. Now this is a very kind of counterculture to American culture kind of verse, right? It doesn't fit our culture. Why did he take them the long way? And maybe some of you feel like God is taking you the long way to freedom. Maybe it's a career goal you have. Maybe you're single and you are longing to be married and get free from the single life. Maybe it's freedom from financial worries. Whatever it is, does it seem to you that God is just taking his sweet time in answering your prayers? 
Well, this text says there may be a couple of good reasons for that. For starters, the long way matures us and gives us things that we are going to need, tools we're going to need for the future God has for us. You know, in life, we are like little kids. Are we there yet, God? Are we there yet? Huh? How about now? How about now? Are we there yet? Not that I've ever heard that in my own car trips, right? But God is more interested in who we become, who we become, than where we get and how fast we get there. And in this story, there is a good reason that God takes the Israelites the long way. Because they're not ready to go to the promised land. They've been slaves for 400 years, which means they have no government, no armies, no knowledge of agriculture. And if they were to go the short way and encounter the native inhabitants, the Philistines, with no army, no government, they would have been wiped out. So God takes them on a long journey, turns out to be 40 years at the end of it. But during those 40 years, they develop an army, they develop a government, the tools they're going to need for their promised land. Is God taking you the long way? He is developing in you tools you're going to need for your promised land. The other thing the long way does is it shows us the power of God. If the Israelites had gone the short way, they never would have seen God divide the Red Sea in two. And that's a moment you wouldn't want to have missed, right? I mean, that's a pretty cool moment, right? I mean, special effects times ten. They wouldn't have seen it. And they also wouldn't have seen God's power to take the thing that threatened to destroy them, the sea, and turn it into their deliverance by using it to drown Pharaoh's army. If God is taking you the long way, he's probably developing in you tools you're going to need for your promised future, and he's going to show you his power to take your problem and use it for your deliverance. I think of so many folks in this church who have faced very difficult marriage problems and overcome them. And it usually took a long time. But along the way, they had to look deep in themselves and heal wounds from their childhood that were causing them to behave certain ways or learn how to relate to their spouse with more honesty, more openness, more courage. That is, the long way matured them and gave them the tools they needed to get to their future. And they saw the power of God to take their problem, the broken marriage, and use it for their deliverance. Because in that process, he matured them. Same is often true for single people. I was single twice, both before and after my first marriage. And I longed to be free from that single life. But it was in those times that God developed in me things that I was going to need, both to be a pastor and for my marriage to Christina. Chief among them, I learned how to be a friend, which it turns out is a transferable skill (laughs) to marriage. It was fantastic. Oh, this is how I should have done it the first time, right? And as a result, I've got incredibly good friendships, which is rare for most American males. And some of those friendships started in my single years. You see, the long way through the the long way isn't just this brutal, horrible march. It's on the journey that we experience God's promises. It's on the journey that we experience His joy. It's on the journey that we experience His power, not the destination. It's as they are going to the promised land that the Israelites see the miracles. Interestingly enough, when they get there, the miracles kind of dry up. Do you trust that God, if he's taking you the long way, you are going to see that he is giving you tools for your future, and along the way you will see the miracles in the journey, maybe even more than the destination? Now, if you're like me, you are hating this sermon so far. I mean, I hate it and I wrote it. Because we Americans don't like the long way. We want the fast way, right? 
Sort of like a story I read about a woman who was pulled over because she was puttering along the highway at 22 miles an hour. And the cop thought that was kind of slow. So the woman pulled the woman over. She was very confused, though. She looked at the cop and she said, Officer, I don't understand. I was going the exact speed limit, 22. And the cop started to laugh and said, No, 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 no. That sign you saw back there that said 22, that was the route number, not the speed limit. And she was kind of embarrassed, and she laughed. And, but then the officer noticed that the three passengers in her car were, were just white as a sheet and looking kind of terrified. So he said, ma'am, are your passengers okay? They, they look awfully shaken up. And she said, oh, they'll be okay in a minute. We just got off Route 127. <laughs> when it comes to getting free, we like the fast lane, don't we? God, get me there fast, right? And sometimes God does deliver us quickly. But other times it takes the long way. Sometimes that's because we make bad choices or we're not cooperating with him or doing what he says. But sometimes it's not our fault. It's just bad luck. But either way, God uses the long way to mature us and give us what we need for our future. And you will see his miracles during the journey. Maybe more than the destination. And some things can't be rushed. I keep repeating this because I think it's so important for us as Americans to get this through our head. I've used this illustration before, but as a butterfly em emerges from a cocoon, it, it takes a long time. But if you were to cut that cocoon open to help the butterfly out, you'd kill it. Because the process of pushing through the cocoon forces fluid into the butterfly's wings. And without that process, it can't fly. Some things just take time, guys. And without that process that God leads us through, we won't be free. And one of the lies our culture tells us is over and over, you got to get to your destination quickly. you got to get that college, that job, that accolade, that relationship, that accomplishment, and get it fast. But that is the lie of the devil. What God says is it's not the destination that matters, it's who you become along the way. In this story, God is not nearly as interested as in getting Israel to their destination as he is making them a holy nation. And God is not nearly as interested in getting us to our agenda as he is making us holy people who know his power and his character and his joy. Because you see, guys, the problem with the rat race is even if you win it, you're still a rat. <laughs> so God sometimes sets us free the long way so we, we can become everything he created us to be. Okay, that was a long point. The other two are shorter. The second thing we need to be free is we have to step into God's promises. In this story, God promises to deliver the Israelites, but he doesn't just magically transport them to the promised land. They have to step into that promise, literally by walking out of Egypt. And then when they come up against an obstacle like the Red Sea, because there will always be obstacles to getting free, God says to Moses, tell the Israelites to move on. Move on where? But there's an ocean there. And then God says to Moses, stretch out your hand to divide the ocean in two. Okay, if you were Moses, would you have done that? Everyone's watching you. I mean, what if it didn't work, right? That would have been awkward, right? Hang on, guys. I know it's coming, right? Just, just hang on. And then the Israelites had to walk through the sea with walls of water on either side. That would be unnerving, don't you think? To be free, we have to take steps of faith to step into God's promises. So what steps of faith might God be calling you to take to set you free? God promises to heal broken relationship. 
But maybe the step you need to take is to reach out to reconcile with someone. God promises in Scripture freedom from financial fear. But the step he asks us to take is to give our money to his work and then watch him provide for us. And that cures us of our financial fear. I told Men's Fraternity this week, and I've mentioned this before, about many people I know who've overcome an addiction to pornography simply by taking the step to install software on their computer that sends a report of every website they visit to 10 people with a star by questionable websites. And if they uninstall that software, 10 people know they did that too. So one way to step into freedom, if, if pornography is your bondage, which it is for so many people, which is why I mention it frequently, one way to step into freedom would be to install that reporting software on your computer and make sure that one of the people that gets that report is your mother. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Ought to take care of it right there, right? In order to be free, we have to embrace the long way if God takes us on it. Step into God's promises and finally surrender what we're hanging on to to Jesus. Last week I used the phrase, we need to throw it down. And we talked about throwing down whatever it is we're hanging on to, to Jesus. Just as Moses threw down his shepherd's staff to God and then God used it to be the staff that does all these miracles, right? Well, I got some feedback on that point afterwards. So I want to repeat it and, and try to do a better job. Several people said to me, you know, I'd like to throw down my job and quit, but I can't. And then one mom said to me, I'd like to throw down my children, but I don't think that's what you meant. No, no, I didn't. To surrender what we're hanging on to to Jesus means to do two things. First, pray, Lord, here it is. Take it, whatever you're hanging on to, comfort, security, money, time, job. Here it is, it's yours, God. And then listen and watch for his leading. And then second, do what he says to do in Scripture as regards that issue. And God will set you free. Now, that might mean, for instance, not necessarily quitting your job, not necessarily, maybe, but not necessarily, right? Maybe it means just surrendering your idea of comfort and a certain standard of living so that maybe you can work fewer hours or maybe eventually move on to a different job. Or it might mean approaching your job differently with God's attitude toward it. And I've told you a lot of uh, stories in the past about people who have had tough jobs, tough bosses, all that, but they started walking into their office asking God, what do you want to do here today? Show me so I can be part of it. Knowing that there's a spiritual battle going on and they're called to stand alongside Jesus to bring his kingdom in that office and suddenly their horrible job became an adventure. The job didn't change, but their sense of oppression in it changed because they surrendered their attitude and started seeing it God's way. It can be done. I know dozens of people who've done it. I've also told you many stories, including last week, of people who experienced God's joy in the middle of tough things like cancer or the death of a loved one. Right? And they find God's joy in the middle of it. The difficulties didn't go away, but they found God's joy in the middle of the difficulties. You see, real freedom, contrary to what our culture tells us, real freedom is not waiting until our circumstances are just ever so perfect so we can be happy. That is a losing battle. Real freedom is finding God's joy no matter what our circumstances. Throughout my 20s and 30s, one of my biggest bondages was worries about my career. And that's how I thought of it. My career, not God's. 
And as I've told you in the past, I started out to be a professor, then changed my mind and went to seminary to become a pastor. But then I thought the worst possible fate that could ever befall me was I might become a senior pastor. So I changed my mind again and went to graduate school to become a professor so that now I can be a pastor. (laughs) Talk about the long way around. And throughout that entire journey, I worried constantly. Where will I end up career-wise? Am I on the right path? All kinds of anxiety. But over the course of 15 years, Jesus gradually set me free through all kinds of different events. But I remember the moment where I think the chains fell off the most. And it was when I was trying to decide whether or not to come here or stay in California. And I was very comfortable in the church that I served in California. And part of what I was unwilling to surrender was that comfort. And as part of my discernment, I talked to a mentor of mine. He was an 80-year-old man, World War II vet, and I met with him every week. And he asked me questions about my motives and the decision. Did I just want to come here to be at the top of the org chart? Or conversely, was I just afraid to come to Bellevue? He asked me about what Scripture said about career. He talked with me honestly about my weaknesses and how he deemed them sufficient to wreck any church. (laughs) He was straightforward that way, but he also talked about my strengths. And as we talked, he got more and more emotional. And his eyes started to fill up with tears because he was beginning to realize that God was actually calling me here. And at one point, I finally said, John, how did I get here? I never wanted to be a pastor in the first place. I came to California to be a graduate student in English and wandered into Menlo Park Church the first time to find a phone booth to call my ex-wife. Didn't think I was making a career move there. And he looked up at me, his eyes were swimming with tears, and he said, that would make a great sermon. And I said, do you mean that that would make a great farewell sermon to Menlo Park Church? And he dropped his head and he nodded, yeah. And in that moment, I'm not sure I knew it at the time, but in that moment, I think I let go of something. For 15 years, I had been trying to control the course of my career, and all it produced in me was worry, stress, and absolute bondage. And in that moment in my heart, I essentially said, Jesus, it's not my career. It's yours. Do what you will with it. And in that moment, I stepped into his promise by doing the thing he was asking me to do, to come here, and as a result, he has freed me from career anxiety, ironically, by asking me to do the one thing I was most afraid to do, be a senior pastor. And even though he definitely took me the long way to freedom, 15 years, at each step, he gave me something I was going to need for the next part of the journey. My divorce taught me compassion. Meeting Christina taught me that God is faithful. The waiting helped me mature, sort of. (laughs) And since since then, I suppose there's been a flicker or two of career anxiety in me, but you know what? Mostly it's gone. Mostly it's gone. This week marks the seventh anniversary of the congregational meeting where all of you voted to call me as your pastor. And I say this every year because it's true. I truly love this church, and I deeply love you. And I've told you in the past that when I say that to a group of pastors, sometimes they'll say to me, Scott, it's just us. You can be honest about your church. And I say, I am honest. I love them. I think they're fantastic. Career was my bondage, and my idea of freedom was getting God to do exactly what I wanted him to do on my timetable to accomplish my agenda. But when I surrendered it, 
stepped into his promises in faith, took the risk, I found freedom, not just freedom from career anxiety, but freedom to be join Jesus with all of you in what he's doing in our community and in the world. And in the process, I am finding strength I didn't know I had, purpose I didn't know existed, adventure that I didn't know was possible, and joy in tough times that I have not known before. When we do what he says to do, he gives us freedom. One of our elders told me this week about a time he came out of a grocery store carrying two large boxes of soft drinks, only to discover that he had locked himself out of his car. Well, he didn't think that his wife would be home, so didn't bother to call her on the cell phone. Instead, he got on a bus, but it was the wrong bus. So he ended up on Mercer Island. So he got off, had to walk to another bus stop, carrying these two boxes of soft drinks, all wet from the rain, ready to just bust open, catch a bus, get a transfer, catch another bus, and then finally walk home. Well, when he finally got home, he discovered that his wife had been there the whole time. And to make matters worse, she said, well, we have AAA, why didn't you just call them? When it comes to getting free, we will try all kinds of things on our own, won't we? Instead of turn to the one who can unlock the door and set us free. And his name is Jesus. And he has given us a path to freedom if we will just trust him enough to do what he says to do in Scripture. So what's got you trapped? Will you trust even if God is taking you the long way, he has given you things you're going to need for your promised future? Will you step into his promises on faith and surrender everything you have to him? And he will set you free. Jesus, I know that you are the liberator. And so we ask that you would cut the chains that bind us, release us, and set us free from the things that keep us trapped. Give us clear direction. Call us to your purposes and set us free. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.